Hello and welcome to the Pilot TV podcast, the show where we wade out into the fast-flowing stream of modern entertainment, panning for nuggets of televisual gold that we can pull out, towel off, and turn into novelty jewellery for your viewing pleasure. Too much? Maybe. Too much. Okay. Note to self. Uh, on the Pilot TV podcast this week, we will be embracing the zombie apocalypse with The Walking Dead Season 9, switching from walkers to whalers in Netflix's The Haunting of Hill House. That was a stretch as well, wasn't it? I'm, I don't really know what's happening today. And <laughs> taking a look at Channel 4's new drama, The Bisexual, which I'm not going to make a joke about. Not to mention sifting through some of the week's announcements, including a number of very exciting developments over at Amazon which we will hear about in a bit. I am James Dyer, and I am once again joined by TV's Boyd Hilton, a man who takes in so many shows, he has to have them condensed into liquid form and administered intravenously as he sleeps, and this is entirely true. Playing the role of Terry White this week is a journalist, broadcaster, and, more importantly, pilot TV columnist, Hooray! the entirely fabulous Julia Race. Hello, I was pondering whether or not to do a northern accent, but I'm not going to. Oh, no, do a I Terry. Don't do, do it. Are you, are you do missing her? Are you missing her? <laughs> oh, wow. I love that. Bold, Hiya! bold, bold, and brave. Louder, angrier, less friendly, and yeah. you are absolutely okay. there. And I am, I am wearing a beehive, just to be clear. Julia but, also has her own podcast, we should mention. She does, yes. Always oh, there. The Howard's Way podcast. Thanks, Boyd. Yes. Because <laughs> you have. Yes, it's quite niche. Niche is good though in the world of podcasts. I agree. It? Yes, it is. We've got over a hundred listeners now, about a thousand now, I think. It's very exciting. That's brilliant. And what's but, it called? Um, it's called Always There and it's a deep delve episode by episode. I always get so embarrassed describing this out of the studio. I suddenly realise it's gone out into the world. It's actually quite shameful. But yeah, it's hour by hour. Um, we, we go through each episode with a guest. I mean, um, and then they 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 sing the theme tune at the end wow. <laughs> with their own lyrics. Yeah. Wow, yeah, it's, it's pretty the awesome. Response. That's that's yeah. that's special. James is jealous because yeah. he's got the West Wing one, which he doesn't actually run himself. No, I just listen to it. He wishes he did. the same, is it? <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking of starting one. Yeah, oh, you should do. start a second West Wing yeah. one. No, but not on the West Wing. I like I'll pick something like you know like Farscape or something. Something mm. that you know there's a real hunger for. Yeah. Well, move and, uh, move quickly because since I started doing Howard's Way, somebody else has already started a Lovejoy podcast. Really? Oh, yeah, so you've got to get on that shit quickly. Otherwise, this is a very competitive. Space, it really isn't it? is. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there's a Deep Space Nine one out there somewhere, which I'm shocked with. And I've been on The Wire Stripped, which is another good one. Uh, which That's I, I a great title. Yeah, it it works good, on it? two levels, yeah. right? Yeah, it's really yeah. good. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, they had, uh, when we did the London Podcast Festival for Empire, they had a special episode where they had Clark Peters, Lester <gasps> Freeman wow. himself on. Whoa. And I ran into him in the green, green room and just lost my shit. Amazing, amazing. Yeah. My friend once did a West End play, um, and she had a minor role um, alongside Richard Schiff. And she said she barely made eye contact. And he was delightful, but she just couldn't quite go, hello, Toby from the West Wing. I love you, Toby from the West Wing. Good James is the right audience for that anecdote. Oh, well, he, he did a performance of Underneath man. the Lintel, actually, in the West End, which I went to, and he did a Q&A at the end of it, apropos of nothing, just oh. at the end of the play, just came out and said, does anyone want to ask me oh any questions? God, I was like, so my first guy. question is, I love you. And I know that's not really a question, <laughs> but it's true. And it kind of I just want to know what lintel oh. is. It's, it's part of a doorway. Oh, okay. It's a building term, um, Boyd. But it's, uh, I, do you know what, I, I can't, <laughs> remember a great deal about the play but uh, it wasn't a lot about door frames i do okay. remember that Fine. that yeah. was kind of incidental no, okay. to the kind of driving driving narrative but we've 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 come unhinged sorry already. i've digressed before That's we dive right, into <laughs> yeah, digress away cool. uh, but before we digress more and dive into the tv news i thought we'd take a moment and pay our respects to some dearly departed shows of your for this week's talking point as kind of gone but not forgotten, sort of gone too soon uh, special. So shows that were struck down in their prime, sort of bludgeoned into oblivion by the cancellation mallet. This is obviously something we could be here all day talking about, mm. so we have limited ourselves to two shows 
each that we can kind of dig out from the archives and recommend to people. Julia, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, I do. But I've just realised looking at my choices that I'm living in the past because they're all about 10 years ago, like minimum. But the first one is North Square. So, you know, Peter Moffat was really well known more recently for things like Silk and, and like all the other brilliant stuff. He's done Criminal Justice, The Village. But back in the day, this is in 2000, he wrote this incredible thing called North Square. It was on Channel 4. It had 10 episodes. It was one of those things I just saw and I thought I need, you know, it, 10 episodes wasn't enough. I needed more. Phil Davis was like this kind of... Uh, Leeds-based sort of legal clerk bastard guy who just <laughs> ran this um, chambers of lawyers, really sexy lawyers. There was um, Rupert Penry Jones and Helen McCrory and Kevin McKidd. Incredible cast, just like the most incredible drama. It was just, it was a flame with ideas and incredible dialogue. Ten episodes, gone, never came back. And I was gutted, like actually gutted. Did they wrap up the plot? No, because they didn't know they were getting cancelled. Oh, see, that's always the worst thing. It's just thing. the cruelest blow of all, mm. isn't it? And it just, it did not deserve to go, but Channel 4 decided it didn't get enough ratings and that was it. And I was just, I mean, still in mourning now. 2000 this was. That's 18 years was, ago, in case really anyone good. can't yeah, do maths. Really Phil Davis was fa- was fantastic. Yeah, he yeah. was. He was yeah. brilliant. And obviously he did, um, Peter Moffat came back and did Silks a bit later on with Maxine Peake, which was okay. But I just couldn't, I could, it's like having a new boyfriend that looks a bit like your old boyfriend. It's like, <laughs> yeah, you're lovely, but you're not my old boyfriend and I want him back. And yeah, just n- nothing's ever come close to it for me as a legal drama. Wow, yeah. I have never seen that. And I would hunt it down, but you it's told on, me now I will never know how it resolves. No, I so. know, but it's on, it's on DVD. Apparently it came out, I found this out today, oh, in 2020. 2012, but I, I have, I've yet to find it. But I'm going to because I need it back in my life. Well, can we all just have a moment? Should we take a moment, a moment yeah. of silence? <laughs> Obviously, dead air doesn't really work on a podcast. No, but imagine doesn't. we've done like a two minute silence. Well, well, <laughs> as a sort of respect for that, what was your next one? My next one is pulling. Mm, we yes. can all agree, right? This, mm, yes. is, this is this this was a, this was a really upsetting thing. Uh, was it about sort of 2006? I think the first series came on BBC Three. It's where Sharon Horgan kind of hit the big time. Well, he's yeah. got noticed. Um, she wrote it with, obviously, Dennis Kelly. They've both gone on to do incredible things. Catastrophe. He's like the king of musicals. And, you know, he wrote um, Utopia, which is one of my favourite things ever. Oh, amazing. But, yeah, Pulling was where I think Sharon Horgan first kind of... She found one of those brilliant sitcom characters where it's a little bit you and all the worst things about you kind of <laughs> magnified. Um, it was so brilliant. It was kind of the most honest, sort of slightly visceral description of the single experience living in a city and being a bit sort of desperate and aimless and a bit sort of, uh, you know, self-obsessed. Um, and it had an incredible cast, Tanya Franks, the mighty Rebecca Statton, who I worship, oh, yeah. uh, Kevin Clark. It was just, it was a really good, well-written thing. And you um, garnered awards and really good ratings for BBC Three. And then they just kicked it into into the long grass and... I think Dennis Kelly and Sharon Hawkins said they basically begged, please, can we have series three? Please, we've got all these plots worked out. And they gave them like a one-hour special. Huh. Insulting. So um, I don't think, I don't know, Sharon's working again for, for the BBC with Motherland now, isn't she? But um, I don't think she worked for them for a long time after that. What is that one-hour special? It's like, it's like the breakup sex of kind of like Just TV shows, isn't it? Yeah. Not acceptable. Yeah. I think, and also the weird thing about Pulling was, it was on BBC Three, which was the kind of youth yeah. channel. And, and it wasn't a youth show, really, was it? It was no. about, they were in their... And they did understand, they did move, didn't they show, repeat it on BBC Two or something? Yeah, they did. But it's yeah. so half-hearted. It's yeah. like, come on, it was... know what you've got and get behind it, you silly yeah, arsehole. But they didn't. Yeah. Absolutely. Gutted. I'm glad that you've chosen two British shows, though. That's very... Quite right, too. Yes. <laughs> I've, of course, chosen two American Of course oh, you have. Of course then. you have. Police Squad. Oh, we oh. are going back. Yeah, we're going we? back. 
every now and then, some channel or other, some random channel or other shows all six episodes of Police Squad. <laughs> they are, are you kidding? They're only They're six. They're only six episodes. See, this surprises me. Because yes. you think with I the have, naked guns no and everything, yeah. but six. So that, hence why I'm choosing it. It's like, and so I cling on to oh each, each juicy half-hour morsel of classic Leslie Nielsen Abrams, Zucker Abrams. These are the people who gave us the Naked Gun. It turned into the Naked Gun. So we got, we got three Naked Gun films out of it. But it's better. This is the thing about it. It's better than the Naked Gun films. Because they're so condensed and they're into these wonderful half hours yeah. of absolute comedic joy. And all the things they do in the Naked Gun films and in the airplane films, all the, all the stuff they're famous for, the, the sight gags, the puns, all, all of that's there in this six-episode series of it's utter so dense, and complete it? joy. It's so dense. The gag so rate is insane. Incredible. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that is is probably my number one. Good show. And secondly, I mean, everyone goes on about Freaks and Geeks. The two shows that everyone goes on about oh. Freaks and Geeks in my so-called life, which are... Are you going to go with Undeclared? I'm going with Undeclared. <laughs> I'm going with Undeclared. <laughs> the Judd Apatow thing he did after Freaks and Geeks, which also only lasted one season, which had the most incredible cast of Seth Rogen yeah. and that dude out of Queer as Folk, the British guy, Charlie Hunnam, Charlie Hunnam, Charlie Hunnam, Charlie Hunnam, Charlie Hunnam, and yeah, uh, and it was just and Jay Baruchel, Jay Baruchel, yes. Jay Baruchel. How do you pronounce it? I think Baruchel. the first one you said was right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. well, you know, um, and it was it was St. College, and it was just it was better. I think it was better than Freaks and Geeks. Mm. It was slightly more as, it was as befits the, the the setting, slightly more grown up, incredibly incisive, incredible observations about what it's like to arrive in that world. And it and it only lasted one season. All of Judd Apatow's incredible it's TV outrageous. shows only yeah. lasted one season. Uh, arguably the best work he's ever done. Yeah, yeah. Apart from that documentary he did about um, Thingy recently. Oh, what about Thingy? Yeah, about um, Gary Shandling. <laughs> Oh, I haven't seen that yet. I really oh, need my, to see. It's <gasps> phenomenal. I think okay. that is the best thing he's ever done. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, it's like a three and a half hour epic uh, documentary about Gary Shannon. Amazing. Wow. James. Uh, see, now, I had difficulty with this. Like, it was I, your idea. I know it was my idea. But, okay, so I want to be really obvious and also really obscure in one. So my obvious one is obviously Firefly, which is one of my all-time favourite shows ever. And this was one that uh, obviously Joss Whedon came to and tried to make into a wonderful thing, and it was unilaterally fucked by Fox, <laughs> who uh, did not like his pilot, which is magnificent, and they thought that Captain Mal Reynolds, Nathan Fillion, was, uh, I believe they said, dour. And <gasps> they thought he was too dour, so they made him retool the second episode as a pilot, and they aired that first, which was the train job. She doesn't know who any of these people are, what's going on, oh, but no. apparently it has excitement in it. Uh, so they loved that, and as a result, it never found an audience, and it died. I think it was 14 episodes. They aired 11 of them, as I recall, uh, before it went to an early grave. The only benefit of which is almost the entire cast of Firefly became refugees on his other shows. So you had uh, Gina Torres turning up as the big bad on Angel, Nathan Fillion turned up as the big bad at the end of Buffy. So they've got things to do. And uh, obviously they returned in Serenity, uh, which was my first uh, set visit for Empire. I was on the set oh. of Serenity. Yeah. But the brutality of that, it's the American system, isn't it? To yeah. make all those shows really and not is. even air them all. I know. Like, it's... are you kidding? You know, the love and time <laughs> yeah. people put into this, you bastard. But it was so good. It was bristling with sort of Whedonese dialogue. It was magnificent. Kind of Western and Space, nice. Which we did. I mean, nice. he, but in the way that Buffy kind of made up high school teen speak, this kind of postulated a world where China became the dominant power. So Chinese, or I said Chinese in language, but sort of Mandarin and English kind of got melded together, and that became the show's vernacular. Yeah. And he built all these kind of interesting threads and conspiracies into it, which we never got to see really explored, and it was a real shame. Uh, and Summer Glau was really former prima ballerina. Summer Glau was extraordinarily good as the kind of enigmatic psychic sociopath uh, River Tam. Oh. Thought she was excellent. You're really still um, upset about this, aren't I'm you? Really, I've never really got <laughs> I mean, over it. His eyes have gone a bit glassy. He mentions like. it every day. <laughs> I, I, oh, I love Firefly. 
okay, so that's really obvious. Everyone knows Firefly. But but the thing was, I chose another one here, which I guarantee none of you have heard of. But I have to give Big an words. honorable mention before I do that. I've got a Howard's Way podcast, mate. Hit yeah. me. <laughs> fair okay, Kindred the Embrace. Yeah, no idea. Okay, you've won. Okay, I, I, I win. <laughs> Hooray. You made um, that up. I did not make it up. This is from 1996. Oh. Uh, and this show ran for one season and it starred Mark Frankel, who you may remember as Leon the Pig Farmer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, that's right. Okay. He starred as Julian Luna, the vampire prince of the city. So it was like The Godfather meets Dracula. And it's based on this kind of tabletop role-playing game, like D&D with vampires, <laughs> by a guy called Mark Reinhardt, a good vampire the masquerade, which I'd never heard of, let alone played, before watching this so show. are you a role-player? No, I'm genuinely not. But Dan, <laughs> you know, are, you, are you getting this? the impression that James is a bit of a nerd? What? No, I mean, God, yeah. no. I, I'm first to admit I am a nerd without peer, but when Dan Jolin used to work at Empire, I was never the nerdiest person here because I always think it's anoraks of different colour. Do you know what I mean? Sure. And I have me- I have a technicolored anorak, <laughs> but Dan role plays. So no matter what I ever did, no matter wow. how much I quoted Klingon, he was always a tier above me. Yeah, because but he's he was not a here now. D and He's gone now. The crown is mine. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he was that guy I met in the pub that time, dressed as a troll. That's the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> So, so this was a really interesting one, and, and so the city's ruled by these vampires. They're kind of split into clans. There's the Ventru, the Bruhar, the Gangrel. They all have different sort of like abilities. But apparently, and you'll be surprised to hear this, the Puff network thought it was entirely confusing, and no one knew what was going on. But it was really dense mythology. I mean, that's no barrier now. They should bring it back. They should. Well, being oh, dense storytelling where you have no idea what's going on is, is the thing. Yeah. Well, the thing is, this is once again killed by Fox bastards, and it was nearly <laughs> rescued by Showtime. So, so the show got cancelled. It was going to come back on cable, but. But unfortunately, and this is genuinely tragic, the uh, Mark Frankel died in a motorcycle accident oh in between God, the cancellation no of the show and it being picked up again. And obviously, without the lead, oh no. Showtime lost interest in picking it up. So that's, that's why Kindred the Embrace. Well, you've made us all feel bad. Return. Sorry. Uh, How well, are you going to lift the mood now? Yeah. I'm going to lift the mood by mentioning my other favourite cancelled vampire. Is he getting show. three? I, I, see, now, I mean, James. James makes the rules and breaks <laughs> okay, the rules. I'm a Get used to it. I didn't prepare this. This just came to me as we sat here, and that's Ultraviolet. Did you watch Ultraviolet? Oh, yeah, yeah. That which was, was great. a masterpiece. Yeah. Which starred Jack Davenport and also had uh, Idris Elba in it, which is yeah. where most people first were introduced to him. Yeah. And if you ever interview Idris, he sometimes is not overly fond of talking about The Wire because I think he's like he's moved on to bigger and better things. He kind of I think people obsess over that and he doesn't like it. But if you ever ask him about Ultraviolet, he's like, oh Vaughn, like he loves talking really? about Ultraviolet because it's so fucking That's good. That's not the first place I saw Idris Elba. Oh really? Oh. He was in an episode of Ab Fab. Do you remember this? Playing a man whore. Absolutely yes. not. He was, playing, he was playing a male <laughs> prostitute, and he accidentally confused the mint breath freshening spray with the um, the the stiffening spray that supposedly would make him hard for his encounter with one of the Ab Fab ladies. And he sprays his tongue, and then it sticks out amusingly for the rest of the scene. Wow. And he has to kind of talk like that. Um, that's where I remember him from. That do, was his Do you think if I would bring role. that up in my next interview with him, he would take us kindly He'd to talk about that? He'd be delighted. Are you kidding me? Of course, you love Let's it. Let's talk about Ab Sorry, back to Ultraviolet. So sorry, wow. I just had to mention that. Uh, but yeah, Ultraviolet, I, I want to say six, about six episodes. Yeah. Again, never got wrapped up. There was a fuss made death. around that one, I seem yeah, to remember. Was, yeah. Joe Ahern creates it. Right. Yeah, very t- six episodes arrived, just, yeah. just checking it. Yeah, it really good. They good. never at any point during the series used the word vampire, ever. I like that. Yeah, yeah. They called them Code 5, because obviously the Brilliant. Latin numeral for five is a V. Because I've just been watching a bit of, um, what's it called, The Thingy of Witches, that thing on Sky. Yeah, really It's really schlocky and fun. But they keep on saying, you're a vampire, you're you're a witch, you're a vampire. Yeah. It's like, I know, I've got it. Okay, move on. Yeah, it's the demons I find most interesting. I'm in a that. demon. Because the demon is like the Scottish flatmate from Fresh Meat, and I just think that's oh, yeah. hilarious. Is that the like, redheaded guy? No, it's, no, it's, no, no, it's, no, it's no. a sort of slightly schlubby guy, but I love him. I loved him so much in Fresh
Fresh Meat. He was my favourite. And uh, I can't remember the actor's name, but he's, I Greg. saw him as the demon. No, oh, what's his name? Boy, you must know. You, you have an insight. Greg was the Scottish guy in Fresh Meat. Greg name? Yeah. But the one who plays um, Tank Commander, Gary Tank Commander. You're looking at me blankly now. I, now if I you, if you have a, Scot- a television in Scotland, you'll know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and you're is saying Greg McHugh is in... Oh, I haven't seen Discovery, Discovery of Witches yeah. to the point no, where no, he's no, in this it is, yet. This is the second episode, I believe. Uh, and this is when when uh, when Matthew Good goes on... Or, or Matthew the Vampire in the in the show yeah. goes on kind of Scottish <laughs> oh, yes. retreat to go and hunt some stags Can I just because say, he doesn't want to eat her. <laughs> the name of his character is Hamish Osborne. Oh, there you go. shut there you go. up. And he's a Scottish demon. He is Scottish. Just to confirm. the most Scottish. I can't yeah. wait to see episode two yeah. now. He and is he's, brilliant. He's spectacular I in love it him as so this much. really sort of hammy demon, and I, I love him. <laughs> wow. So that, that was that was that was a few shows that yes. we love and are That's no longer with us. All we've so, got time for. Yes. <laughs> Enough teary-eyed reminiscence. If you have any suggestions for future talking points, do drop us a line on Twitter at Pilot TV Mag. Until such time, we shall head on to this week's news. Now, Boyd, Amazon mm. did a big old shindig. Oh, yes, they did. Uh, where they brought out every famous person, it seems, in the world yeah. and put them on stage and then started talking about, you know, emerging markets and incredibly tedious sort of commercial trends. <laughs> but the celebrities kept most people awake through that. Now, were you there? I was there. Right. Yes. I what, thought you must have. Yeah, it was. An, it was a very American. You know the way Americans do these events. We you, British people are used. This is the whole world of TV launches, and this is very kind of insider TV insider wank, frankly. But just <laughs> this to is say, your world. This boy. is my world. This is <laughs> my everyday live. life. <laughs> So just so what Amazon did is that they, I think it's for every European journalist ever was invited to go along who covers TV he was invited to go along. Yeah, that's nice for them. To a, <laughs> must have enjoyed that. To, no, they knew you were too busy doing your <laughs> Howard's Way yeah, podcast. Yeah, come on, but um, anyway, we all gathered and the the heads. Edith Bowman hosted the whole thing and she's brilliant, obviously. But then she introduces like you know the head of Amazon Europe or something, a, a, a basically an executive who then proceeds to host a lot of the Q and A's, which I found weird. Oh, no. Do you know what I mean? Too much emphasis and on those guys when they they start telling jokes yeah. they think they've got the right. room they oh, do it's that bad. thing where they think oh yeah I could do this is really yeah. easy and you're like mate and then it's they not had, like, easy I've got the microphone now <laughs> on stage Q&A's with the executives oh no I, like, no, I really don't need to know dull, dull, dull. Yeah, it's like dull, yeah John Hamm's over there I'm yeah. not really listening yeah. to so you so then of course about an hour and a half later John Hamm does arrive well, along with the rest of the cast of Good Omens which is a huge big show yeah, yeah, yeah. coming up it's going to be massive it's going to be massive so that was really exciting and they showed clips of Good Omens and I have to say it looked really great and I was slightly worried about it yeah because Pratchett hasn't fared particularly well on Sky tonally it looked funny oh good kind of Hitchhiker's Guide quality about oh, it. Oh, God, I'm so yeah. excited. I haven't read the novel, but... I have, but a long really. time ago. Okay, mm. so it had, had that thing it's going on. It's got death in it, love death. Death mm. and lots of... Yeah, death and the devil When When and things angels. can be funny as well as yeah. dark at the same time, it's, yeah. it's, it's a hard balance And, and it felt like that, so that was really good. And then in the end, Julia Roberts did... Was on stage. I saw that. Who? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Talking, talking about... Uh, now, she, that was incredibly exciting because she is a legend. But they also showed clips from her show, which is Homecoming, which is based on a podcast... Homecoming was a fictional podcast. It was a scripted, acted podcast, which I never listened to, but apparently is really good in itself. And this is the TV version. What I got me most excited, apart from that, Julie Roberts was there on stage and she was very funny and likeable and Amazing. very, very great. Make jokes about my so-called wedding and all that. Uh, my best friend's wedding, sorry, not my so-called wedding. Thinking about my so-called <laughs> that life. That sounds like yeah, the my crossover movie is, I need to see. Yeah, Surely someone's that. developing that now. <laughs> she talks about my best friend's wedding. Anyway, 
This show, Homecoming, it looks fantastic. And they showed this kind of epic tracking shot from one of the early episodes. Um, and it's kind of all about this psychologist and criminals and it's all and it looks very interesting but the, the creator of the show the showrunner kept mentioning Brian De Palma and Sissy Spacex in it playing Julia Roberts' mother is there a lot of split screen <laughs> so I think there could be split screen Ooh. and it's very De Palma-esque they even used the music instead of commissioning new soundtrack music they used music from old Brian De Palma movies oh. old Pino Dinaggio soundtracks of like Carrie and Dress to Kill etc okay. now this is this could not be more exciting for me because okay. I'm a huge De Palma obsessive so Julia Roberts Brian De Palma, Homecoming, it's going to be very exciting, and they announced lots of other stuff as well. Good yeah. pedigree, wow. Now, yeah. you mentioned Good Omens. Now, Neil Gaiman signed like an ongoing deal with Amazon, hasn't he, to he do has. original programs. Yeah. That's pretty exciting. Yeah, that was yeah, exciting, yeah. yeah. And one step closer to the inevitable Sandman adaptation, which <laughs> I'm waiting right. for. So, yeah. Yeah, no, that was interesting. I mean, they made loads of announcements. They're doing, uh, we know they're doing Lord of the Rings already. They had a little shot of a ring. <laughs> Of course they did. Just to underline the fact they're doing Lord of the Rings. Really and important that story's told again. Yeah. <laughs> but well, I tweeted about this last night. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I alluded to that. I mean, and now, because now Netflix is doing uh, Chronicles of Narnia, and I do feel <sighs> both of those projects are completely tedious, I have to say. Mm, yeah. I'm yeah. entirely with yeah. you. I cannot However, excitingly, they also announced they were going to do Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time. Oh, yes. Now, this is very much in your wheelhouse. I, I can tell by the way that Judith's staring at me. With this, Here he goes again. <laughs> I'm yeah. just looking at your pocket protector. It's really nice. As if I'm going to start talking about the eyes of Dyer, Nynaeve and Egwene and Randall Thor and the Trollocs and Matt. The Trollocs. The Trollocs, yes, and Alan Mandragor and the Warden. I mean, wow. This meant nothing to me. James, are you single? (laughs) Astonishing, isn't it? Outrageous. Yeah. Outrageous. Nerds have love too, thanks. Yeah, I, um, so this has absolutely no, nothing to do, but I did sense uh, there was a lot of excitement in the room, and then I saw you and Helen O'Hara talking about oh, it on Twitter. Losing our shit over it. Yeah. So this is, this is in terms of fantasy series, right. uh, this is the epic... I'm not going to say it's the best, because it isn't, uh, but it's very, very long. So it's 14 books long. Although the last two were wow. written uh, posthumously. I mean, not literally by his ghost, but uh, <laughs> Robert Jordan <laughs> died, and Brandon Sanderson, who's famous for the Stormlight Archive and the Mistborn series, he came in and he finished... The wow. story of the last two books, and they're the best of all of them. <gasps> You're not allowed to think uh, that, surely, I'm in your world. I'm allowed to say that because Brandon Sanderson is a machine. He okay. churns out like two novels a year. It's extraordinary. Uh, and Robert Jordan had a tendency to be, shall we say, a little bit ponderous with his writing. Oh. And then in the last two books, fucking everything happens. He just gets like, on. It with all it. kicks off, um, and they're really, really good. But it's a really interesting series, and, and it's one of these things like Tolkien where any fantasy. After that, you can see the influences of it in there. So that's okay. not in there. And I'm really interested to see what they do with it. Uh, so so it's just like the, the last great un, uh, unadapted fantasy novel series. No, not the, uh, definitely not the last great. I mean, there are a lot of them. I'd like to yeah. see Robin Hobb's Assassin series turn its way to, to TV course. at some point, uh, as, as I'm sure we can all agree. <laughs> Stop there are loads like of you know them. what he's Lin-Manuel talking about. Miranda is adapting Patrick Rothfuss's uh, Kingkiller Chronicles with the name of the wind. Oh, okay. uh, there are quite a few of these sort of in development. But this, I mean, this is a big one, and there's a lot of love. For yeah, this. yeah. Uh, it's got it's an interesting concept whereby sort of magic is split into male and female halves. So you have sidar, which is what women use, and sardine, which is what men use. And sardines, yeah. sardines. Yeah. The yeah. woman from Amazon made a great play of the fact that only women can use magic. Is no, that right? No, that's drivel. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, clearly, dear. he hasn't read the books and should be sacked. <laughs> Maybe it's, in this it's version. In, it's in safe hands, guys. The point is, sardine, <laughs> which is the male magic, has been tainted by evil. Oh, okay. So anyone who uses it goes mental. Uh, okay. uh, well, she's uh, kind of right. She's simplifying. But that it. doesn't stop them using it. Oh, right. right. Uh, okay. And spoiler, that part gets fixed. But uh, <laughs> oh. but it's really good. And if you have a spare, I don't know, 
than 800 hours, you should totally read the books. Yeah, no. How many books are there? 14. 14. 14. And they're not small books either. <laughs> That'll keep and them going. Some of them are really boring. Wow. That'll and keep this, Amazon going for a while. There's also, yeah, one of them is a prequel as well. I oh, think it's 14. It might be 14 oh. and a prequel, thinking about it. Yes, it's 15, including A New Spring, which Blimey. is the prequel. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah. you all up to speed? Yes. Good. Just, write, time, just writing that down. I was <laughs> spending eight billion pounds on that. Yeah. 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 But um, so was that, that was, those were the highlights from Amazon. But there was yeah. other news. Was there? There was other news. <laughs> and so a kind of a hazy picture of Stephen Graham appeared earlier this week. Oh, yes. And it oh, was announced right. Stephen Graham is... Balaclava Man. Balaclava Man <laughs> in Line of Duty, which is the best name for a character ever. <laughs> it's stupid. Um, I mean, it is stupid, but it's also <laughs> glorious. Everyone, yeah. I'm sure, watches Line of Duty. This is Jeremy Curio's show and Balaclava Man has been an ongoing theme throughout this as kind of like the hub that the conspiracy turns around. Mm. And it's Stephen Graham because of course it's Stephen Graham. Yeah. Place your bets to how long he will last <laughs> in the series. Will he make it past the first episode? Well, probably not. Well, except you feel like maybe he's done that now a couple of times. I hope and so. Maybe, so maybe he will last at least some of the distance. I just worry that someone, but as long as he's not got that sort of Stephen Moffat trait where you get high on the audience reaction to your show and then start writing accordingly because after The Bodyguard, <laughs> I know they're making Line of Duty over the top of it when yeah, The Bodyguard yeah. was going out, but it just makes me worry for some writers that they go, oh, goody, and then they just get really <laughs> carried away and start putting the fans in the show and it's like, oh, no, 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 no. And, I, and, when, and obviously when we all did junkets and stuff for the last series of Sherlock and a couple of times I tried to ask Stephen Moffat like so you know you're putting the fans in the show that's quite self-referential he's like no we're not it's like no no you definitely did <laughs> my friend Catherine played one of them in Sherlock she, you did he's like no that's not what we were doing it's like oh my god yes you were so I just fingers crossed Jed Mercurio's feet are still on the ground and okay. he still does the good uh, stuff the good see, stuff with uh, I think yeah. Steve could take Stephen Graham do you think? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, well, Stephen Graham is, except Stephen Graham, when, I mean, this is my name drop of the week. So Is he another one of your celebrity yeah, friends? Yeah, I had dinner oh with him God. in Edinburgh. Oh, of course my Lord. Uh, no, I, there was an Edinburgh TV did. festival. Sky had this lovely dinner and they invited all the people, all people from their big shows. You know, he was in No Offence. In, what's it called? The, the, uh, what, the Lenny James. Paul the Lenny James yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Um, uh, Save Me. Save Me, thank yes. you. What was No Offence? That was another show. Yeah, that's Channel 5. That's Channel 5. I'm making so many mistakes. Paul Abbott. So many shows, boys. So many shows that, you know. I think he's reaching overload. Clearly, Stephen Graham, fantastic in Save Me. He is brilliant. Oh, really? yeah, yeah, he's yeah, brilliant yeah. in Save Me. So they had all these people from Save Me there, including Lady James. And Stephen Graham was on my on my table. And um, he alluded to the fact that he was in this big, had this big, big job coming ah. up. And at that point, it was a big secret that he was in Line of Duty. And then one of his mates was there and he was like, oh, you're doing Line of Duty, aren't you? Yeah. Oh, no. And, uh, so I've kept that secret. Could, That's could not like you. There's well a theme done. here, boy, that you may be the worst journalist in the Definitely. world. Yeah. You're the one who interviewed Jodie Whittaker the, the day after she got Doctor Who and yes. didn't get the scoop. Yes. Had dinner with Stephen Graham and yes. didn't get the scoop. Absolutely. <laughs> but I can keep a secret. Which is surely perhaps more important in the greatest yes. scheme of yeah. things. Yes, that's what they teach on a you moral in journalism level. school. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, keep sh- secrets. Don't tell anyone anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, God, yeah, that's true. Um, but he is, he is, he's incredible. Oh, yeah. Um, I could not be, I mean, there's, could, there, I can think of a few people more suited to that world, Lionel Duty, than Stephen Graham. I, I already imagine him there, so it's yeah. like it's perfect, it's almost, right? it's so perfect, yeah, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. so yeah, he's, it's, it's incredibly exciting. And I hope he does last more than one episode. Yeah, let, let, let's Fingers let's crossed. That. Um, I, I, I was very excited to hear that Mayans MC has been picked up for a second season. Oh, yeah. Now, there's no sense of when that's going to air over no. here yet, but this is the Sons of Anarchy sequel slash spin-off show. I think it's with that Amazon Prime isn't just showing it already. Yeah, so am I, yeah. I, I find Why it absolutely baffling. It? Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's, it's an odd one. Like, I wondered whether it would... 
get a second season because it seems to suffer from the problem that that uh, Sons of Anarchy had later on, where it gets very, very densely plotted, so you lose track of what makes it fun. But um, but hopefully it will find its feet, and it has been picked up again. Sons of Anarchy was, I think, FX's most successful show ever. Right. So uh, I suppose it makes sense that this is this is doing okay. Yeah. So that's yeah. that's happening. Yay! <laughs> Yay! Um, yeah. Also, also just breaking today when we're recording this, not today when you're listening to it. John Favreau's long-awaited Star Wars TV series has a name, and it Whoa. is called The Mandalorian. Julia, tell us about Mandalorians. Well, so it's a, it's a musical <laughs> instrument dating from the 17th century. Oh, no, have I... Sorry, did I... Have I got this wrong? <laughs> that is entirely correct. No, I like John Favreau, though, so, you know, double thumbs up for double that. Double thumbs up for John yeah, Favreau. Yeah, yeah. This is The Mandalorian. Uh, Mandalorians, of course, being... Well, if you watch Rebels or any of the cartoons, you know a lot more about them. But Jango Fett and Boba Fett, the most famous examples of this particular Have race. Have heard of them. <laughs> Indeed. So this is picking up with them. The official blurb says, After the stories of Jango and Boba Fett... Get him dead. Another warrior emerges <laughs> in the Star Wars universe. The Mandalorian is set after the fall of the Empire and before... The emergence of the First Order. We follow the travails of a lone gunfighter in the outer reaches of the galaxy, far from the authority of the New Republic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Exciting, yeah. But it is it is big news, isn't it? Because this is this is the live action Star Wars yep. show, yep. and it's also going to be on Disney's new streaming service. It is. Oh. So this is like their attack on Netflix and Amazon yep. Prime, etc., and Hulu. Blimey. And quite an attack it is. And quite an attack it is. So it's kind of a huge thing because clearly this is the, th- this is the show that's going to drive, they hope, These are subscribers. The big guns, yeah. This is the big gun, mm. a Star Wars live-action drama with John Favreau. The mm. I mean, it is a pretty tantalising prospect. The budget prospect. must be massive. Must be gigantic, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it is it's fascinating, isn't it? Yeah. Well, the, the latest seasons of Rebels did a lot of sort of Mandalorian stuff in there because one of the main characters is a Mandalorian. Uh, what do Mandalorians but, look like? I mean, people. I mean, oh, they look a lot uh, like Tamara like- Morrison, to be honest with you. <laughs> oh, okay. And apparently they're, they're from New Zealand. Excellent. Yeah, Taika so- Waititi maybe like, come in as one. Absolutely. That'd be super he should be cool. the be Mandalorian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I like the idea of it being called the Mandalorian because it kind of evokes a kind of an old sort of Eastwood-esque Western vibe. It to does. Me, like a man with no yeah. name type thing. And I think the Mandalorians kind of, and they're, they're kind of dual gunslinger types. They have that kind of image. This answers an interesting question for me, which is that Star Wars, it's kind of like if a tree falls in the woods. Is Star Wars Star Wars if it doesn't have Star Wars livery? Like, if you have Star Wars without the Empire and without Jedi, is it not just people just titting around in space? Yes, but it is anyway, isn't it? I mean, so. yes, but those things <laughs> yeah. elevate it to my eyes. And can't they bring those things in? Can't Possibly. They? You'd think they would. But you? but you, I think they need to look, to, especially with Ryan Johnson picking up the movies now and in a, in a, taking them in a different direction after episode nine, you need to look to what Star Wars is away from those because you limit your storytelling if sure. everything's about the first order which is basically the empire version 2.1 mm. and you know all this jedi stuff but you're looking for iconic imagery and i think the reason people like boba fett and people always list him as like their favorite star wars character he has literally no character <laughs> at all where did He's he come no in empire's famous characters too high if he was on the list at uh, all too high but isn't he like the, it's like posh spice or the queen mother they're kind of blank canvases onto yes. which you can project whatever you like that's his kind of he's deal. just a guy who had good production design because <laughs> they made him natty armor he's the posh spice queen mother that is and, and his armor is the little black gucci dress of yeah. the star wars universe <laughs> and uh no so so it'll be it's a way for them to bring that iconic mandalorian armor into there and all of the sort of mandalorian sort of uh, universe building that they've done in rebels so it's an interesting shout i mean it, there's a whiff of cynicism about 
about it, if you ask me. Disney? A little bit. A huge corporation <laughs> trying to make money out of something? I can't believe that's true. But, but, I, 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 I genuinely, you know, I'm pleased that this sort of makes it less likely that we'll see another kind of, like a standalone FET movie, which I really worried might be something they do. And I Weren't think they going to and then idea. they didn't, they decided well, against it? The, the, yeah, there, was, there were rumours that actually Josh Trank was going to announce this as his Star Wars anthology and he was going to do this at Celebration in 2000 and I don't remember, but I, but I was there. And oh, then the man. whole thing got canned. Oh. And so Gareth Edwards came in and, and announced Rogue One instead. So mm. I don't know, like, what will this be? Could it be like a, you know, a Bake Off type show, like where you just sit around <laughs> making Boba Fettuccine? I don't know. It could be, wow. it could be anything. Yeah. We'll see. Mm. Um, the Mandalorian Bake Off. The Mandalorian Bake Off. I, you know, yeah. you know, Wookiee Cookies. There's so much. A Mandalorian does sound like something they'd be asked to make at the end and they'd all go, what? <laughs> what yeah. even is one of those? I mean, how do we make a jus out of this? No. I don't yeah. watch Bake Off. That may be apparent. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, there's not much jus, but no. everything else, yeah. yeah. I, I Paul Holly would love to set them a Mandalorian challenge. <laughs> he would, wouldn't he? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. just to watch their faces go, I'm huh? not sure if the word Mandalorian has ever been used so often in one five-minute segment of anything ever. <laughs> just saying. Well, there we go. And last of all, and I know I've kind of geeked out enough already, but there was a new Star Trek Discovery poster. Oh, man alive. <laughs> and it was red. <laughs> Great response. It was is this not, big news. Do, it was do red. you not like Star Trek Discovery? Is this I, what you're telling it's me? It's fine, but there's so much of it. It's, it's, it was quite condensed. It was only like, what was it 10, 12 episodes? Like it was quite, I mean, it wasn't like it was a yeah, full Star Trek yeah, maybe season. I just think this yeah. the spreading thin of the franchises. I'm so done with No, it. I'm, I'm, I'm all Make in Make some new Discovery. stories. Tell some different ones. Well, and, but, did you see that? You know that shot? Have you, have you, we must have discussed this. Have you discussed this on your other podcast? Of, which, which one? With Patrick Stewart. Oh, um, yes. With Michael Chabon. <laughs> and Akiva Goldsman. Yeah, forget Akiva Goldsman. <laughs> we Michael can never Ch forget Akiva Goldsman. Michael Chabon is one of the greatest novelists of our time. You know, he wrote The Yiddish Policeman's Union, which is one of my favourite novels ever. Yeah. He's a genius. And he was there at yeah. this Presumably meeting with Patrick Stewart, helping write this new Star Trek. Yeah, wow. He's a balance Akiva Goldsman, who's right. famously been one of the worst screenwriters of all yeah. time. So actually, <laughs> you know, these two things are, are in, in yeah. perfect well, I found unity. that extraordinary. Uh, he, he must be a big Trekkie. Is that, is I, that, I mean, I am... <laughs> monumentally excited yeah. that Patrick Stewart that is coming back <laughs> yeah. to do this. But Sorry, I've devoted you from one yes, Star, Star Trek, Trek to the other There is Star a poster. Trek. Now, nerds, my people, will notice that this this uh, is so it's a big red sort of uh, uh, sort of Starfleet logo, and this picture contains the red the red lights, which are kind of the subject of this particular series and interdimensional stuff. But I flatlined. There is a flat there is a winged figure in the middle of it, which is blurred, <laughs> and some say it's an angelic figure. But I have to say, and I think Julia, you will agree with me, it was quite reminiscent <laughs> of the emblem of the Romulan star. Oh Empire. my god, I was going to say that exactly, and yet in a kind of faded red instead of the traditional green. So. Uh, you know, who knows? Is that a red herring? I mean, I mean, I mean, Paul, oh, what do you think? I have no idea, but I like the fact that you're doing an entire <laughs> featurette on the colour red of this poster yeah. for the Star Trek. It can't be an accident. It no, must be. it cannot be an accident. It must no, be deliberate. This is, this is going to be an exciting series. It has, uh, it has Spock. Ethan Peck is joining the cast as, as Mr. Spock. So that's going to be good. And But more importantly, I mean, Rebecca remains in it as well, but Anson Mount is in this as Christopher Pike. And I loved Hell on Wheels, so anything with Anson Mount in it, although he doesn't have his glorious hair and beard as he did as Cullen Bohannon, but anything with Anson Mount in it, I'm, I'm on board Can with. I just redress the geek balance for a minute if we're talking about hair and beards? Yes. So has anyone seen Norsemen? I've seen a bit of Norsemen, yeah, okay. it's very good. It's so great. Norsemen, yeah, very good point. Series Tell one on Netflix. Yeah. Series two has just landed on... Oh, is, am I saying Netflix or is it Amazon? No, it's Netflix. It is Netflix. Net Thank God yeah. you're here, Boyd. Yeah. So it's some very accommodating, very funny Norwegians wrote a sitcom about Vikings... 
called it Norsemen. It was called Vikingain in, in Norwegian. And the point is, they met, every time they shoot a take in Norwegian, they shoot another take in English. So they edit together two versions of the show. It is one of the funniest things on television and people need to watch it immediately. Wow. It's so good. Series two has just landed. It's a nice little half hour chunks. It's, it's got an incredible cast. They have insanely gorgeous plats. It's really dirty, it's really rude, it's really funny, and it's just one of the most charming things I've ever had the delight to watch. Wow. Thank yeah, you. I've just started Norseman, watching it myself. Yeah. Norsemen yeah. 1 and 2 yeah. are available now. Will this replace Vikings in my viewing list? Oh, it's much better than that. It's Good. funny for it's a It's a comedy, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's in comedy ways, Vikings. In many ways. Yeah, yeah. Vikings, I, think yeah. Pe- I think people see the poster on Netflix as they're scrolling through and think, oh, it's another historical oh, I drama did. about... Yes. And it's not, it's yeah. fucking It's hilarious. really funny, yeah. So yeah. I'm, just, I'm just grabbing people by the lapel yeah. in the street now and saying, watch it, watch it, watch it. It's amazing. I will watch this. The funniest Norwegians you've ever seen. Wow. And that's saying something. Honestly, they are the funniest people in the world. Also, amazing drinkers love Norwegians. Okay. So get some drinks, get some laughs. Big shout out for Norway. Yeah. Hey. And anyone have any more news? No. Oh, I did a set visit. I did a set Ooh. visit. This is normally Boyd's thing, but I, I did it instead. Boyd, what I famous got there people first. have you been hanging out with? Well, so Rufus Jones, who um, uh, uh, was in yeah. W1A and um, all of the stuff that Julia Davis does and is brilliant, finally got his own show. He's an, he's an ingenious writer as well. And it's called Home. And he made the pilot last year. Uh, a short one for Channel 4, and it was about a Syrian refugee kind of being smuggled back into Britain un- under this family, in, in the boot of this family's car who'd been on holiday to France. And they decide to let him move in and help him get citizenship. And so they're now filming the series. Rufus plays the dad. Rebecca Statton, a formerly mentioned wonderful actress, is playing the mum. And uh, there's a fantastic actor whose name I haven't written down because I'm a doofus, who's like this incredible RSC-trained actor who also speaks Arabic. They were trying to find somebody who could speak Arabic. He's playing the refugee. He is a star in the making. He's just absolutely incredible and they're filming at the moment around London and um, it, it looks like one of the most exciting new comedies I have seen in a long time. I hope people are listening to this with a pad and a pen. Yeah. yeah. We've given them we're, an we're incredible viewing list. Yeah. It's called Home and I think it'll be on probably like this spring 2019. Yeah. The pilot was, I love the pilot. Yeah, the pilot was, was, was so good, Rufus Jones is, is a legend. He is a hella good yeah. writer. Yeah, good tip. And that's what's happening in the world of TV. Uh, or at least it was last Thursday, which is when we're recording it. Um, <laughs> Transparency all the time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, we know you are all very busy people, but I say don't waste your time socialising with friends when you can curl up in front of the television and enjoy the very best that it has to offer. We have another week of another run of new shows this week. We have another three recommendations, and I think we'll start with Channel 4's The Bisexual. Julia, have you seen this? I have seen this, and I watched two episodes... And it's very much it's my cup of tea uh, on paper. But I found it all a little bit chilly and um, lacking in heart. It's kind of, it's about this woman. So it's things like this are always a bit tricky when someone decides to write, direct, act. You know, they're doing everything themselves. So it's the brainchild of this writer, actor, director called uh, Desiree Akavan, if I pronounce that right. I think you have. Um, and uh, she's American, uh, but with Middle, Middle Eastern sort of uh, descent. So she kind of plays this character who's in London living now and she's in a long-term relationship with Maxine Peake, mm. ostensibly a lesbian in a lesbian relationship. And then sort of uh, right at the beginning of the first episode, she realises she might not have explored all her options and she might not want to be with Maxine Peake. In fact, she might even want to sleep with men. She's just not sure. And she, sh- I don't know, it's very difficult. There are, there are some shows where all the characters are kind of appalling, but there's, there's sport in watching them be appalling to each other. So like Succession at the moment, pretty much no uh, one in Succession is nice. Ask James about Succession. I love it so much. I yeah. just don't understand how. What? I, I got to the Sorry, end I've, of I've the fifth, up this argument. <laughs> the fifth 
episode is the most insane hour of television this year. But I got to the end of it because I've been told. What is I've, wrong I've been told with in, you? In pilot yeah. TV, we did our very own thing, and I know it's because you wrote it. Yeah. Which was give it time for succession, get to the end of episode five, it's and on your amazing. advice, I got to the end of episode five, and at the end of it, I was like, I still hate all of you. I can't help you. And I don't care what any of you people are doing. But the thing is, okay, so I think in succession, what they do is they make it into kind of like a blood sport, watching them kind of be appalling to each mm. other. In this, I think it's supposed to be a drama. It's, it's, again, it's not funny enough, so it needs to be maybe a comedy drama. It needs something. It needs a, the gas turning on underneath it. It's just so cold and kind of sterile. So this character, I think you're supposed to sort of be interested in what happens to her. But I don't <laughs> care what happens to her because she's a selfish <laughs> asshole. And Maxine Peake is also looks like she might be the sympathetic character. Then she turns out to be a selfish asshole. Everyone in this show is like a giant baby human, just kind of being self-serving and pathetic. And I just I didn't like any of them. So I couldn't really, there was, it's like climbing up something and there's nothing to get hold of. Mm. So, and, and the, the, the main character kind of talks in really odd dialogue. So she's very direct sometimes. And she just says to this guy, I find you incredibly hot and I want you to fuck me now. And it's like, oh, uh, bleh, bleh, humans don't speak Reasonably like this. Reasonably certain that's not a line that works. No, it didn't work at all. And um, there's, there's, there's cute bits, like little set pieces, like there's um, a bit in a disco, uh, like a cheesy disco, where she and her new best friend, who's the, the guy she's moved in with as a kind of flatmate, do a little routine to Mickey and Sylvia, you know, that song, what's it called? Um, Love is Strange. And they're kind of, there's, talk, there's a talking bit in the middle of the song and they're kind of mouthing it to each other across the dance floor. That's supposed to be the kind of Gavin and Stacey adorable bit. And I was just like, oh, fuck, I like you. <laughs> like this song oh, I hate you I hate you for even doing it yeah, in short I wanted to love it so much and I've been left kind of shivering and wanting to put a blanket around me it was so cold and brrr mm, that's wow. me I liked it more than you I knew you would yeah. <laughs> um, which is generally the case with yeah, everything it is, isn't it? I generally yeah. like things more than, more than Julia it's true I'm yeah. so negative <laughs> no 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 I'm saying that. but um, I did I did yeah I did enjoy it and I think um, I think I did like her despite I know did what you're you? saying yeah I liked I didn't like many of the others yeah. I didn't like Maxine Pink's character she doesn't have a character though, does she really? Not yet. What's, what does Maxine Peake's character drink? I've seen three. What's her favourite TV drink? show? You can't you can't tell me anything about her because she's like a cardboard cutout. <laughs> Maybe. And this is Maxine Peake, one of our finest actors. Yeah. But Desiree Archivan is great, I think. And I really liked I mean it despite that line which you've honed in on. I know, I'm I, sorry. There's another scene where she should where she seduces a guy. Um, which I thought rang very true. I thought that was right. really good. You know, the guy in the club and everything. Yeah. I thought that whole thing was, I thought that rang true. It felt authentic to me. And in fact, one of the things I like most about it is it does hone in on the London metropolitan kind of hipster scene. Yeah. And I know that's been done quite a lot, but I think the way this does it, it feels more authentic even and slightly less obviously satirical. It kind of captures that world of going to, you know, art um, happenings and things um, quite well, well I like felt. Like a mad screaming kabuki man is pouring soil over his own right. head and, go, and twitching. Exactly. <laughs> that, that scene, yeah. So I liked all of that. I just kind of liked the, the setting. I liked her. So I, I, I've gone with it. Yeah. You've bought into the world. And I'm going to carry on watching it yeah. despite what you say. Yeah, big oh. shrug over in. And when is this airing? It's on Channel 4 from the 10th of October at 10pm. And I think they're putting it all out as well as a box set thing on all four, That's I believe. That's the done thing now. Which is the done thing now. Yeah. Yes. Well, okay. And that is the bisexual. Now, Boyd, you've also seen The Haunting of Hill House. I have. More than once. Three times. Wow. Not all of it. It's ten episodes. 
uh, we should say, on Netflix uh, from Friday, from Friday the 12th of October. Um, we forced Julia to watch some of it. Now, I already know a bit what Julia thought. It's just because she from did an Instagram, Instagram story. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Where, what, what did you do? You went watching the whole of Hill House. And I found a gif, a gif of a woman, a blonde woman, twirling her hair, looking a little bit bored. Yes. That, that was some indication of your response to the whole yeah, of Hill House. Yeah. So I've watched the first two episodes three times, mm. partly because I interviewed the creator, director, oh God, writer, so sorry. Mike Flanagan. <laughs> in the new issue of Pilot TV magazine, mm-hmm. partly because I went to the screening where all the cast was there doing a lovely Q&A, hosted by Chris Hewitt, that doofus from Empire magazine. And I, watched it, and I watched it again because the first time I watched it, it wasn't fully completed the episode. So anyway, and I've now watched six episodes of the whole thing. It is adapted, like both films, The Haunting, from the classic novel, The Haunting of Hill House, um, which is supposed to be, I haven't read it, but it's supposed to be the greatest ever kind of... It's always voted the greatest. The greatest ever horror haunted, yeah. haunting novel yeah. thing. It's produced by Steven Spielberg's company, Amblin, and it's basically, he takes this very straightforward novel, which is a gathering of random people in this haunted house, and you don't know whether the things that they're responding to are actual ghosts, actual, obviously don't exist, or it's all happening in their mind, and it's kind of, and it never really, apparently, so Mike Flanagan told me, it does leave all of that up in the air. He's taken this premise and turned it into a 10-hour epic extended horror story in which playing out over multiple timelines, particularly the five main siblings who are all brought up by creepy parents in this horrendously creepy house. We see them as kids and we see them as grown-ups. They're all brought up by Elliot from E.T. They're all brought up by Elliot from E.T. Which is really exciting. Henry Thomas. Henry Thomas. (laughs) And so it cuts between, as is the fashion in TV these days, you've got to have multiple timelines and flashbacks and flash-forwards and all of that. It does all that, but it cuts mainly between between them as kids and them as adults and it's all about childhood trauma really and how that affects all of them as adults and they're all kind of doing stuff so one of them works in a mortuary is a mortician another is like a child psychologist and one of them is a, is, um, a drug addict and is kind of that so they've all kind of ended up affecting their lives massively by whatever the hell happened to them in Hill House I think it's phenomenally good I, as, oh a horror fan, God. <laughs> as a horror fan huge horror fan I feel what he's done for the first time, and I know we've got American Horror Story, which is now in the middle of its eighth season, mm. but for me, American Horror Story is almost more of a, like a camp mm. festival mm. of horror rather than trying to be genuinely scary. This is a slow burn build up of a, of a really intense, terrifying world. And I'm really into all of the characters. I want to know what did happen at Hell House to make them all so traumatized. They're all beautifully cast, the kids and the adults. I love the the transitions between the flashbacks and the present day. You've got Carla Gugino, you've got Henry Thomas, you've got Timothy Hutton, you've got Oliver Jackson Cohen, who is wonderful as the drug-addicted guy. I think it's really, really good. And the sixth episode, what they do is, the first five episodes focus on one of the siblings each. So each kind of it's their story and events, same events told from the different five siblings' points of view. And then episode six is like a play with all of them gathering for this event and it's kind of told almost in one shot, in one long shot. Like, and it is fantastic. It's one of the best episodes of TV I've seen this year, hmm. episode six. So in the, in the kind of how long were you last thing, please get to episode six. And you're oh, saying I hate it when people say <laughs> so that, Episode though. six is better than episode five of Succession, is what, you, is what you're telling me. It's up there. Oh, I love episode boy, five of Succession. Hello. It's in that world of <laughs> okay. really ambitious, bold, cinematic TV. I think it is great. Okay. Wow. Can I say what I think of it now? Go on, go on. <laughs> well, I have to say, I think it's I think it's a director's piece. It's, it's absolutely 
incredible direction. I mean, really, the, 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 the pictures he creates. Um, but again, I just, I struggle with, not everyone can do the writing, the directing, the execing. And Mike Flanagan, I think, has an incredible eye and is really good at those horror shots where you're lingering on an empty corridor and you're starting to get more and more uncomfortable. He's great. He's really, really good at that. I'll say that. And the washed out palette, and I really like the way the first episode looks. Um, but the script is as dull as anything I've ever heard and really literal. I just, I can't, I think I've just worked out that my thing is now that I, it's like, it's like hearing an orchestra play and just, and just someone's playing out of tune. And if the writing is not interesting, I just lose interest. And I think, um, he, I watched a little featurette sort of um, about it um, on some website somewhere where he's saying, you know, he's talking about the, the difference between directing a horror film where the, the scares, you're pacing through the film, and then when you're directing, you know, six hours of horror, then that, that's a t- an entirely different pace. And he, and he said something about you can only really uh, do maybe three or four scares an episode. And it really does feel like being on the world's slowest roller coaster. Like, wow, we've been going uphill now for 15 or 16 minutes. Oh, my God, we're going downhill. Scary doll face. And then it's like back to another 15 minutes of just like exposition and plodding. Um, and at one point, one character, this is in a flashback, does actually say the line, Science isn't an exact science, you know. At which point I just went, and that's getting closed and not open again. But but there are good things about it. And if you're a horror fan, as Boyd clearly is, um, then it's there are there are there are loads of good things in there. But if you if you want a story told in a gripping way, fuck me, <laughs> like watch something else. Wow, wow, two conflicting I reports think it's there. Totally gripping. I just that line, by board. the way, science, that's a fun. That's supposed to be a funny line. Is it? Yeah, absolutely. This is yeah. funny. Oh, honestly, yeah. There Whoa. are funny bits. There are funny bits. Yeah. I did not get that. I mean, that. there's a great lesbian sex scene in the middle of it that before that, and aftermath was d- funny. Yeah, that, that was when uh, that character, is it Theo, one of, yes. the, one of the children, yes. has grown up to be a drug-addicted, um, sort of sexually uh, promiscuous, sort of crazy person. And she goes to a nightclub. I just put, she stands in the nightclub in her, in her bra and some gloves. <laughs> then she takes this woman home, like does it with her, and then uh, kicks her out and then puts her gloves back on. Yeah. It's just, you know, I'm yeah. sure the these whole things is fantastic. Uh, reveal themselves over six hours. But again, I get a little bit ten, cross. Ten hours. Sorry, Judy. ten hours. Yeah. Well, that's too much. Um, I, I get a little bit cross with things where you have to watch six hours before you really get to enjoy yes. it. Oh, no, Upsetting, but I isn't it? it? But Succession was not one of those things, <laughs> No, I agree with you about Succession, but I don't think this is... I felt that... I, I think once you get get into the pace of it, after about ten minutes, I was gripped. I was oh, absolutely hooked. I'm afraid I really get, wasn't. Yeah. But yeah. then maybe there has to be more to... Because it's a horror, there has to be maybe more short... I had to, didn't have the shorthand for watching maybe, loads and loads of horror. Maybe. To, so, to depending on your mood and indeed oh, proclivities... Oh, it's great. Watch it. It's amazing. It's the best thing ever. <laughs> I mean, ultimately, if there's a choice between this and Luke Cage season two, I think we know which way you should fall. Oh. Well, I, I mean, mean, yes, if you put it that way. Well, that, that said, I've taken some shit on Twitter over this. Like, loads of people are saying it's much, much better than Luke Cage season one. Oh. Not oh. Luke Cage season one. Uh, I'm thinking of Iron Fist. Yes, Luke Cage season two is actually worse than Luke Cage season oh. one. And that's not saying much. <laughs> don't, don't watch that. Iron it's hard Fist to get all those Marvel two. Netflix shows. I know, they all bleed yeah. together. So, Iron Fist season two, we slagged it off at length last week and a lot of people have said it's significantly better than Iron oh, Fist okay. season one which That's was unwatchable bullshit <laughs> oh, um, dear. but apparently this is better but I'm going to hedge on the side of life's too short to find out well, so, you'm kind like of it. there no, myself. No, you should watch it. You'll like it. I think it's, I think it's, uh, I think you'll like it. You may it. have learned this about me, Boyd. My tolerance for shit television is alarmingly high. Yeah, mine it's too. It's not shit. Also, Boyd, it's October. There are like 11 billion other shows we yeah, all need to watch. Yeah, and this is one you should watch. Oh, I don't agree. Yeah, I think it's one of the best things on Netflix. Watch two series okay. of Norsemen. Uh, make your life b- better and happier. 
That's wow. what I'm saying. We yeah. do not have consensus. Um, <laughs> last, lastly, lastly, though, this week, we catch up with a new speculative uh, documentary which is airing on Fox, which documents a small group of survivors <laughs> in post-Brexit Britain. This stars Andrew Lincoln and Danai Gurira and Laura Cohen. It's called The Walking Dead. So and in. it airs tonight at 9pm. Not tonight. It airs 9pm on Fox on... Oh, it is tonight. Yes, because we're, oh, so we're broadcasting on Monday, so yes. I'm getting into the time warp. Yes. It is tonight at 9pm that it airs. I am, of course, being facetious. This is the ninth season of the interminable The Walking Dead, a show that <laughs> will not die, much like its protagonist. But, but, and I have talked about Walking Dead fatigue a lot. Did, you two must have started watching this at some point. There has to have been a point where you watched an episode. You okay, don't know yes. Julia. Yes, and no, I oh, did. did you? No, I did, Boyd, because I live with someone who's a little bit uh, more sort of open-minded about trying things, even though they just look like they're nothing to do with your interests. Um, yeah, no, is that uh, your son? Or your my, <laughs> no way. Yeah, so my husband did, um, I think he watched a series. Like he's, he's quite good at being dedicated. Doesn't like to feel like he's wasted his time. <laughs> But I, so I watched the first episode with him or one, one of the episodes he was watching and just sort of saw someone uh, stove uh, someone else's head in with a, like a shovel yep. and just went, yeah, no. That could literally be <laughs> no. any episode in yeah. the series. Exactly. But... Back to Howard's Way for me. And that's why. Yeah. When, and yeah. someone said that, that similar thing to me. I thought, yeah, I, I don't think zombies is my thing. I really liked, I love Dead Set. Yes. That was oh, my only so zombie good. thing that I really, really yeah, loved. Charlie Brooker. Because uh, it was just a bit, you know, because it played with the, the tropes and things. But I, I'm not a zombie girl, so I'm probably going to sit this one out. Okay. Zombie Howard's Way would be good. Well, so actually, now you said that. Of my head, yeah. I Boyd, mean, half the cast are dead. Yeah. Oh. Boyd, when did you give up on The Walking um, Dead and stove your own head in with a shovel? I'm an intermittent um, walking... I kind of gone... So I watched the first few seasons um, and really liked it. And then I did... I kind of... Then I fell out of it about season four, five, and then kind of stayed... Then I kind of came back for the Negan kind of thing yeah. just to kind of get in touch with that. That was an error. And then I dropped out again. once someone to, he, was, he was sticking around far too long. And now I've gone back in now. So, yeah, I'm back in. Okay, so you yeah. watched this one. I watched the first episode this this was an interesting one for me like when it began it did feel like it had a different vibe yeah like there was more of an upbeat hopeful forward-looking thing you know some time upbeat as... hopeful zombies yeah they're, they're, they're uh -huh. dancing zombies they're wearing party hats it was unexpected do they but, uh, dance the dancing queen absolutely that's exactly Zeitgeist. what happened the zombie tory conference <laughs> no it was it's an interesting one so it takes place i'm going to say about a year after the end of the previous season they don't say exactly how long and presumably none of them have calendars because it's the apocalypse <laughs> but you know they're building it's about re-establishing survival, re-establishing relationships between the communities, which is Oceanside, the Hilltop, Alexandria, uh, the Sanctuary, where the saviours obviously were. Uh, all Julia's these glazing together. over. And the kingdom, I'm of course, Julia. I almost forgot the kingdom. Thank you for reminding Come on. me. Um, but it's interesting seeing them. It's almost like the re-establishment of order, and it's almost mm. like democracy being kind of reintroduced to an apocalyptic society, which is something we will all be going through over the next few years. <laughs> and, um, you know, that, which is nice. So it was some foreshadowing there. But it did feel different like the walking dead has felt quite repetitive and tedious and relentless and bleak and since that is exactly what modern political life feels like i have felt that the walking dead has lost its appeal over recent years because as reality has caught up with the fiction it's not funny anymore yeah um, it's like the handmaid's tale isn't exactly it? that it's like when it becomes close. almost a documentary mm. you start thinking i don't want to watch this anymore because i'm living in gilead mm. And I, this one actually was different. Like, it had some optimism to it. It had people pulling together. There were no... Well, there was 
one objective bell end in it, but <laughs> less said about that, the better. I mean, it does, you know, we do see shadows that there's conflict between the major characters and we see kind of the beginnings of what will eventually be Andrew Lincoln uh, and Lauren Cohen's departure from the series. I was going to say, does um, it, is, this, is this new sort of piece reflected by the fact that Andrew Lincoln's found the time, even though he's being attacked by zombies, to go to the barbers? He's, yeah, he's been to a stylist. Yeah, he looks nice so haircut. smart. Yeah. His, Lovely yeah. beard trim. The Very scraggly nice. kind of like longish swinging mullet thing that he's sported all along has gone. People in terrible straits don't get haircuts like, please stop doing that in television. <laughs> they don't stop for a quick beard trim. They're being chased by dead people. It's taken eight years. I think at this point, he's probably... Do you know what? It's been eight years. Yeah. At this point, yeah. I've rescued someone who's a stylist. Yeah. And they've, they've hooked him up. It is called A New Beginning, isn't it? This yeah. episode, literally yeah. called A New Beginning. Yeah. Just a to emphasise, hey, yes. we are... We're, we're, it's all changed up now. He, he can have a haircut. Yeah. He can get a beard trim. They've had, they've had a baby. It's a brand you know. refresh, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it's, it's a brand grown up a bit. Yeah. Everyone's forgotten that Carl was ever alive. Yeah, <laughs> they've got they've had access to like you know ointments and you know nice. uh, yeah he has shampoo. been moisturising moisturising <laughs> so I feel that's all valid and you're just saying yeah. No, it's good. And, and I, I enjoyed this. I also enjoyyed the development of the characters, that Carol and Ezekiel's relationship has changed, that Carol and Daryl... Carol's awesome. She's my favourite character. She's great. That her and Daryl's relationship is still very strong, but there are cracks kind of emerging. And all I'm going to say is Gregory, uh, and that was, uh, that was a lot of fun there. But this, this is... It's an interesting one for me because it feels like... I mean, look, if you stuck this out this long, you're not going to stop now. I mean, if you made it through Negan, you're absolutely on safe ground here. But I feel like if you did walk away from The Walking Dead and you were ever thinking of coming back, and given that it's going to be going on for another 10 years you might want to think about that <laughs> oh uh, god yeah uh, is it really yeah well they've said they've got Literally a, they've got a decade plan for what Blimey. they're doing with associated spin-offs no and movies and oh ever. yeah spin-offs I mean, no. I mean there's a reason it's called The Walking Dead is all yeah. I'm saying yeah. but if you were going to come back this is a good breaking point like there are yes. no sort of threads really carried over this is a new beginning you can rejoin it here and there's lots that will be happening Samantha Morton is joining this series yeah, as very Alpha wow. and yeah. OP from Sons of Anarchy Ryan Hurst is joining as Beta uh, they're two of the Whisper who will turn up later on. I know because I read the Robert Kirkman comics because I'm a nerd. <laughs> and it kind of follows on for that. So it'll be an interesting series and I'll be, I'll be interested to see how that plays out. So yeah, I, I, I think this was, this was surprisingly, surprisingly good. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I agree, and it's it's. Um, I mean, the fir- the reason I started watching it, apart from the fact it was big TV event when it started, was as Andrew Lincoln, and this yeah, is a remind. Yeah, you're kind yeah. of reminded, as if you might have forgotten over recent years, what with you know, it got very bogged down, didn't it, it did. in one faction versus another, mm. and f- f- people a war that went on for weeks and weeks and weeks that just got <laughs> tedious. You're just reminded, actually, it's about Andrew Lincoln fighting zombies, <laughs> and you're kind of reminded of that. And Andrew Lincoln is still great and still an incredibly charismatic actor and I, so I felt that sense of renewal absolutely had worked new mm. showrunner Angela Kang and I, she's clearly just got rid it's almost like yeah it's like a whole she just got rid of all the boring stuff and the first episode I thought was great a great set piece yeah all with the glass floor yeah magnificent really good set piece in the middle of it it was just an exciting uh, more than an hour it's kind of in, in America it's going to go be a 90 minute episode with that yeah. so it's like it's like about an hour or 15 minutes mm. and it's a really really well done piece of television yeah and hats off to Greg Nicotero who has not surprised me with a zombie in some time but all I'm going to say is <laughs> yes. spider zombie was a high point for <laughs> great, me great great like zombie. spider zombie why do I want to sing spider pig now I don't <laughs> think we've converted Julia no oh I mean, it's far too late now isn't it I'm not yeah. even going to try and get anxious about that it's just too no, late don't worry about it have either of you watched Outcast uh, Outcast which one's that this is another this is FX show this oh, yeah. is based on another I watched of Robert the Outcast the, uh, the adaptation of that incredible novel with Hermione mm, Norris mm, yeah it's brilliant didn't that get cancelled like mid story yeah. yeah so I never 
never started that because I knew I'd never know how it ended. <laughs> that should have been on my list for earlier. Yeah. No, this is this was an interesting one. So Robert Kirkman, famous for writing the Walking Dead comics, which he's been doing forever, but he's done Outcast, which is about demonic possession. It's kind of oh, exorcist yeah. time oh, thing. Okay. Yeah, I did watch the first episode. They yeah. did a obviously a, a series which had two. It's had two seasons, mm. starring Patrick Fugit in the title role, and no one knows where this series has gone. Like it hasn't officially been cancelled, right. but it hasn't officially been renewed. Oh, they just won't decide. And it's yeah. been in limbo now for over a year, and I don't know whether it's ever coming back. It's on um, live support, but it's not looking. Yeah, good, and I just yeah. don't know. I mean, please, just one way or the other, tell us what's happening <laughs> because I really, really enjoyed oh, it. Okay. That it begins as a kind of a possession demonic show, but it becomes clear that it is something very different. Uh, without kind of spoiling it. And it also has Brent Spiner from Star Trek The Next Generation, so it's Yay! automatically great. Oh, Data, what's yeah. he up to now? That's nice. He's, a demon. He's an outcast. Well, there you go. <laughs> or is he? Or is he? Yeah. He may be unemployed. <laughs> We're not really sure. Um, so, yeah, Outcast, Walking Dead, both of them, watch them. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. And I think that's it. Haroo! Well, I will say that you can read about all three of the shows we've discussed mm. in the new issue, to, issue of Pilot TV, which I have in front of oh, me. Oh, yeah, we should say that. Yeah. Why, it's beautiful. Which it is beautiful. <laughs> and it is, uh, it is available with the new November issue of Empire, which is on sale now. And, oh, uh, can I just say I've seen episode two of the new Doctor Who and it's uh, oh, fabulous. Oh, yeah. boys. I just want to make sure that people... You have to drop that Did in they there, do that you? thing? Because I know, I can't remember which Doctor, it might have been Matt Smith said this now, but that they filmed the second episode of the new Doctor first, so they kind of got the chance to be up and running with the character by the Ooh. time they filmed the first episode, so it was kind of like a way of... Uh, do you see what I mean? I think they did. Uh, okay, I, yeah. I like that as an idea, but where you don't go straight into the The part, second you know. one gets big. Big Ooh. and epic. Filmed in South Africa, Ooh. really looks fabulous, That's and it's exciting. a really good story. It's a great, great story. So a little less red dwarfy, and a little bit more. A little bit, yeah. The introductions really have been excited. done. Now you're into the it got juicy stuff for all of these four main people to do. And oh my god, the new title sequence and the music. The oh, remi- I heard you talking about the music. Is it great? The, the, Is it like dubstep? The new. <laughs> it better not be. <laughs> the, the music, the whole. I wish I'd written down the name of the composer. It's the new music is brilliant. That's all I'm saying. Ooh. Anyway, I just wanted to add that just before you thought we've, we've finished and we haven't okay, yet finished. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm very as, pumped for that. As a newly baptised Hoovian, yes, I, shall, uh, <laughs> I, shall, I shall watch that. I can't believe it's taking you this long. Yeah, it really has. <laughs> incredible. Uh, that is it for this week. Join us next week for more small screen shenanigans, uh, as well as the unveiling of, very excitingly, the new Pilot TV podcast theme tune. <gasps> which wow. is being recorded as we speak by a rock god and will be unveiled on uh, on next week's When you say rock god, are you doing it on a Bon Tempe? Yes. yes. Okay, yes. cool. Have you hired an orchestra and choir like when Fraser did the, the new theme tune for his show? Now, <laughs> I, I don't want to spoil it, boy. I, I, okay. I can neither confirm nor deny that the people standing over there on pews with, you know, rough yeah. collars are here to record <laughs> our anthem. Great. Yeah, so, so, so look forward to that. And that will be next Monday. Exactly. Until then, that's goodbye from all of us. And a big thank you, as ever, to John Harris, our editor, producer, and all-round guru. Bye. Bye. Bye.